you have to get used to the auto file function. It definitely has its benefits in the right circumstances once you're used to it, essentially. Welcome to episode 331 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Let's talk about Practice Ignition, FYI Docs, Suite Files, as well as Carbon HQ with Amy Holdsworth of Clarity Street in Melbourne. Amy will share some very good insights with you. I recorded this episode in December because I thought I would be away for most of January and I also recorded it the day before I signed up for Practice Ignition and before I dived into XPM. So when I did this interview, I had no hands-on experience yet of Practice Ignition or really of XPM. So a lot of my questions are beginner questions and Amy is very patient and kind to explain the basics. I started by asking Amy whether and why all four softwares, PI, FYI, Suite Files and Carbon HQ, why all four softwares require a Microsoft 365 license. No, that's not correct at all, actually. Sorry to say. FYI docs and Suite Files do. They are a document management solution that do rely on a Microsoft 365 license. Carbon is agnostic. You can have Google, you can have Microsoft 365. That's, you know, no problems with that. Practice Ignition doesn't actually have, there's, it's a cloud-based application, which you don't, it doesn't integrate with your emails. So therefore, there's no reliance on whether it's Google or Microsoft because it's just like using an online application, generally speaking because it doesn't actually impact yeah, your emails, essentially. Okay. So FYI Docs, Suite Files, and Carbon HQ, they integrate with your email? Yes, correct. They have to, because otherwise yes. they couldn't save documents straight from email into your document storage system. That is correct. Although Carbon isn't necessarily a document management solution. Okay. Tell me, what is it? Carbon integrates with your emails. It captures documents, but it's more for your emails, for your workflow, and for checklists. And how popular is Carbon HQ in comparison to FYI Docs and Suite? Because I feel that like that FYI gets a lot of airspace, Suite files less, and Carbon HQ even less. Like until yesterday, I didn't even realize that Carbon HQ was a solution specifically designed for accountants i thought it was just yeah some some app okay a bit of history there and i would suggest that the reason why you don't know about it is because it doesn't connect with zero yeah at the moment it, well i doubt that it ever will but who knows who knows what the future holds but carbon doesn't integrate with zero which is probably why it's not as front of mind as what the other two are fyi directly integrates with XPM, Zero Practice Manager, you actually need Zero Practice Manager on a Microsoft 365 license in order to utilize it. Suite files can remain agnostic, although it does have the ability to interconnect with Zero Practice Manager. So there are a lot of practices out there that would use a combination of, for example, Carbon and Suite files from a document management perspective. So they'll use Carbon to help with email management and, as I said, workflow and sending checklists out to clients. Um, and they might use Suite Files just to actually store those documents and possibly use utilize the other features within Suite Files as well. 
FYI, I think he's probably getting a lot of airtime, comparatively speaking to the other two. Um, I would say it, it's newer. There is a, I guess, a an intrinsically linked stronger connection to Zero Practice Manager, which is probably why it's also getting a little bit more airtime, if that's what your perception is. Sweet Files has been around a bit longer, though, so, you know, they've, you know, got quite a good market share from that perspective as well, so it's been around a bit longer. So, I don't know, I I think they all have their value depending on what the need is for the firm. You just mentioned that FYI Docs integrates with XPM on a Microsoft 365 license. Does that mean XPM also needs the Microsoft license? No, 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 not at all. No. FYI needs, it is powered by and it utilizes features of what the Microsoft platform offers. Okay. So you need that in order to log into your FYI, because it also connects with your Outlook or your emails, essentially. So that's the reason why you need a Microsoft 365 license in order to use FYI, all right? Um, it's from that email component. It's, again, though, just like Practice Ignition, Zero Practice Manager is the same. They it, it doesn't rely on your email provider. Therefore, it doesn't matter which email provider you use. Do you mind if I do a detour to practice ignition? My understanding it is basically covers three areas, which are engagement letters, e-signatures, and collecting payments. Not entirely true about the e-signatures. It captures a an electronic signature, but it's not it's not a solution that you can go and uh, send documents out to a client and get signed. It's not like that. You can collect e-signatures on your engagement letter, but you can't use it for anything else. Correct. This whole area is quite confusing, I think, because a lot of the apps do the same thing. So, for example, engagement letters, you can send out through XPM, but you can also use PI for that. To what extent is it different to send out engagement letters through XPM or through PI? Because at the outset, it looks similar in terms of that you have template and templates and then you can go into the templates and change them. Where are the differences? Is it just that PI then connects with payments? Is that the only difference? Or Zero Practice Manager is not purpose-built for engagement letters. Zero Practice Manager utilizes some of the capabilities within the software whereby you can embed a static DocX template, which means that when you create a quote, you can put your quoting information in about the job that you're about to do and therefore append based on the template that you've selected all of your engagement terms and conditions. It works off the basis of usually generating a quote out of Zero Practice Manager and through the use of your DocX template, which you would have to have had uploaded prior to this process, it would then append that as part of that document essentially from a template perspective when you send it to the client. Before automating the whole engagement letter, I actually think it's very important to go back to the very start and to work out what parts of my work are very cumbersome, cost more time. And so what questions do I need to ask? I agree with that. And I think once you have actually asked those questions and understood and ascertained that component of it, I believe that there are two differences between your engagement letter and what services you provide personally. 
The engagement letter, in my opinion, is your high-level terms and conditions. What will you and will you not do for the client from an overarching business perspective? How will we engage with you? Setting the expectations around, you know, we will, you know, according to statutory rights or whatever the outcome is, you know, this is what we will do. It should have information in there around where you house documents, as in if there's an, you know, it should have information around if you use outsourced team members, for example, those kinds of things. And they usually, those terms and conditions are usually provided by your governing body as an overarching, these are the things that should be in your T's and C's as a general, whether it's CPA, CA, IPA, whatever it is, that's where those terms and conditions should come from. That's your engagement letter, in my opinion. Then you've got the services, which also can be inserted into the engagement letter, or they could come across from a quote perspective. Either, either way, they're part of one and the same thing when you actually utilise practice ignition. And that's where your services are really identifying the exact service that you will provide for the client. So this is the specific thing that I will do in relation to your bookkeeping, in relation to your tax work. I will or I won't do tax planning. I will or I won't do, I don't know, FBT if you do or don't need it. Those kinds of things, basically. And getting really quite granular, I think, when it comes to specific services. The services are the things that you can customise on a per-client basis if you needed to, whilst they should, in my opinion, remain relatively high level and generic so that you can obviously make that process efficient, the services is is the component whereby, and if you're using Zero Practice Manager, the quote is the component that you would make personalised to the client's specific needs, essentially. So when you bring it together, you should have your terms and conditions, which basically don't change because this is the way that you would do business with any client that you engage with, your standard terms and conditions. And then the services or the quote for practice ignition versus zero practice manager is what you would be personalizing or customizing on a per client or per entity basis or even a per job basis. I do agree though that you need to actually ascertain what you're doing for the client. Big thing, 100%. It is very important. It seems to be that cleaning up contacts is a big thing. And so I understand a big exercise of onboarding onto PI is cleaning up those contacts. Is that right? So it depends on whether you're talking about zero or whether you're talking about zero practice manager. So the cash coding component, in my opinion, would have come directly from zero, as in call it, let's distinguish this between blue and green. So green being zero practice manager, blue being your actual zero client file, that kind of thing. So the cash coding thing could potentially come from zero blue. When you connect up practice ignition, the contacts generally speaking will flow through from um, zero practice manager from an accounting firm's perspective, if you're using XPM. So you will want your contacts to flow through from XPM across to practice ignition. Either way, the point is, the point is made, which is there is usually a cleanup of data. In my opinion, you know, like to use the example You know, under Bob's Building Proprietary Limited, you might have Bob Jones as a contact and an email address, and then you might have B. Jones, Jones, sorry, as um, a contact with the same email address. Clarity Street will always talk to the point of making sure that you have clean and efficient data. No ifs, no buts about it. Why it's why it's relevant to you is well, first of all, why do you have two contacts in there which are almost identical but not? That's usually come from a legacy issue more than anything about who is from what software solution you've actually interconnected, generally speaking. So regardless, you should clean them up because it's just good practice to make sure that your data is clean because 
you know, having poor data or crappy data costs you money, costs you time, costs you money essentially. So the push to actually get them correct is not so much deleting things. It's also, it's more so around making sure that first name, last name is in there. And also if possible, where possible, an addressee or a salutation is in there, but more so practice ignition relies on the ability to have it to, to send an email. You can create a proposal for a client that doesn't have an email address, but you would have to obviously create it, print it, post it, you're kind of going to lose a bit of the efficiency, but I guess you can still manage it. You can manipulate the system if you needed to, to work it in, a, I guess, a more old school fashion if needs be. The cleanup, though, from the client or the contact perspective is more around making sure that you actually have email addresses and that when you send an email, because it's the way that it pulls the contact information to therefore populate the, the content of the engagement document at the end of the document. So it will say, you know, dear... B. Jones, basically, for, you know, for Bob Jones is Bob's Mechanics. You want it to say, dear Bob, rather than dear B. Jones, because that just looks odd. So it's around that sort of things that you would want cleaned up, because that's where you get your efficiencies. By knowing that your data is clean, you know that the first name is in the first name cell, the last name is in the last name. You've got a salutation set or an addressee, which means that when you go to create that engagement letter, especially if you've got a team member creating it, that the letter actually reads correctly as well. That's the, the thought behind it. Another thing that really surprised me was that I've heard that accountants, when they onboard onto PI, they're encouraged to do an XPM training with zero. And this XPM training, the basic one costs $1,500. And then apparently there is a, there's an upgrade that zero often on sales that is another $1,500. So people basically pay $3,000 to get XPM training to be able to then connect it with PI. Have you heard that? It really surprised me. I haven't heard about the price. I didn't know that they were offering training. I guess my question back to you, Heidi, is why does it surprise you that they're encouraged to do training? I didn't think that it would be that complicated to connect PI and XPM. It's not complicated to connect it. What's complicated or where, where it can be complicated is how you would utilize them in conjunction with each other. And in all honesty, that's actually one of the major reasons why Clarity Street came about was because Practice Ignition was really good at teaching you how to set up Practice Ignition. Zero was really good at teaching you how to set up Zero Practice Manager. No one was telling you and no one wanted to take responsibility for either, this is the other kicker, for who and how proposals were set up and therefore how jobs would deploy from an interconnected platform. One of the things that was covered that wasn't covered that PI does do is that it does deploy jobs off the back of an accepted proposal into Zero Practice Manager. But there are a multitude of ways to set up an engagement or a proposal out of practice ignition, which would therefore dictate a multitude of different ways of it deploying jobs, which would therefore impact your workflow and how you manage your workflow as a practice moving forward. So, in my opinion, whether there is, uh, like, I'm actually excited by the fact that there is training now provided and that, you know, Clarity Street isn't the only ones that are actually offering that service because it means that they're starting to realise that there is a lot more to the software as opposed to just, you know, connect up the APIs and away you go. It doesn't work like that. Well, it does. Don't get me wrong. It does. But if you actually want to get the most out of your software, 
Then having training on understanding how do the applications connect and talk to each other, what happens at what point in terms of the relationship between the software. It's really important to actually feel like you're actually successfully using it. I assume with XPM, when you do the XPM training, the client is the one, you know, the accountant is the one who then has to put it into practice and put it all together. Is that the same with Clarity, Clarity Street or is it possible with Clarity Street to basically just say, here, you, you, you do it all? Or is it actually not good when the accountant doesn't get involved because somebody in the practice needs to know how this engine is working? So Clarity Street will always do training with the clients and we will always work out, you know, what best practice looks like for the client. Whilst we have our own methodology of what we know works from a best practice perspective, we will work with the client to ensure that they are getting the most out of it. Equally saying that, we'll always train them on how to use it because at the end of the day, the accountant and the admin team are going to be the ones that are going to be using this moving forward. Something to keep in mind is the best use of practice ignition. It's not just a one-stop shop. As in, whilst you can send out in the traditional sense, when a client comes on board, you'd send out an engagement letter to the client in order for them to become a new client with you. The idea and the premise behind practice ignition is every time you do a piece of work for the client or every time you send them want to send them a new invoice in theory, you would essentially send them a proposal. Well, that's our, that's our recommendation is that you would send them a proposal instead, which means that hence why those terms and conditions, they just get automatically appended to it. So to round back on this, it is a responsibility of the accounting practice to understand how the software works because they are the ones that know their clients. They are the ones that are going to have to create proposals moving forward through PI so that they can obviously engage their clients, therefore take payment off the back of an accepted proposal as well. But it's not just actually then using the software, it's also putting the software together. I assume that when you sign up for PI, I assume that it doesn't straight away work, that somebody has to kind of get a screwdriver out and screw those two systems together, or will that be done by the onboarding team of PI or FYI docs? Yeah, so PI in this instance, practice ignition, depending on what the onboarding service is with the client, they do have an inbuilt, I guess it's like an inbuilt self-paced, you need to do this step-by-step, step, you know, Uh, create your services library, create your engagement letter, upload your logo, make sure that, you know, it'll then tell you to connect it up to your relevant accounting platform. It will also tell you to connect it up to your relevant practice management platform as well. So it'll take you through that process. And it's very easy to do, but it's the same with any of the applications out there. So out of the box, Zero Practice Manager doesn't automatically come connected to your Zero Blue application. You have to tell the software to talk to that particular instance. So there is a level of knowledge and understanding. It's not challenging, but there is a level of knowledge and understanding to make sure that it is obviously connected. Okay. It can be done by the client, but, you know, that's what we would do as well and or PI through that process. So is it usually the client who tells the systems to talk or is it usually when somebody engages you, would it then be Clarity Street who tells the systems to talk to each other? So we work with our client. Um, we don't actually connect up software on behalf of a client. We will do a screen share situation and we'll talk our clients through connecting it up just because we want to make sure that their platform, because it all comes down to um, your access levels, essentially. You've got to remember that accounting practices have access to a number of different zero instances on behalf of their client. 
Likewise, Clarity Street has a number of, you know, access to different clients, platforms and things like that. So we want to make sure that our clients are utilising their platform to connect up to their software. So we will talk them through that process, as I said, doing a screen share situation to make sure that they're connecting up the dots and we'll talk through their settings and things like that as, you know, together as part of the process. Tedious question. Proposal, engagement letter and contract. Different or one of the same. I can imagine engagement letter and contract is the same and proposal is something different. I can imagine proposal is more high level and more option A, B or C, whereas engagement letter or contract is more the uh, nitty gritty legal terms and conditions, correct? I think we're splitting hairs a little bit, but yes, you are correct. High level engagement letter is typically, it's the traditional name for the first, call it legal contract, that you would send out to a client to to ensure that, you know, they have accepted your terms and conditions of working with you and becoming a client with you moving forward. So engagement letter and contract, I think, are probably very similar. Proposal is more so these. this is the work that we are proposing that we would do. So you can put proposal and quote in the same realm to let you know when you create a proposal out of practice ignition, just because this is what we're talking about now, the engagement letter, so when you create a proposal, the engagement letter or contract terms and conditions are automatically appended to it. So therefore it becomes proposal, an all-in-one, this is the service that we're providing, i.e. the quote, Plus, the terms and conditions, engagement letter, contract information is appended automatically. Coming back to the e-signature, and I know we already spoke about it, in PI, you don't need to set a signature field, correct? That is all automated. Whereas when if you come through XPM, you most likely need to set a signature field, correct? Mm -hmm. That is correct, yes. Good. And with payments through PI, do you find that bookkeepers usually, or that it is very often bookkeepers who are more likely to be on PI because they find it easier to get monthly or quarterly billing in comparison to, for example, tax agents who mainly do tax returns. Because when you do mainly tax returns, you tend to act for the client once a year. Hence, moving those clients to a monthly or quarterly billing is probably harder than if you do monthly or quarterly bank reconciliations or, you know, uh, reconciliations in zero. Hence, you you tend to do work all year long. Do you see a difference in take-up of PI based on whether it's full service or more bookkeeping or whether it's more tax returns? I think there's a very big misconception in the industry that practice ignition only takes care of recurring payments. So when Guy Pearson first initially designed Practice Ignition, he did have the idea in his mindset that in order to have a successful accounting practice, that the perfect way of handling payments moving forward would be to put them onto a monthly recurring revenue stream, very much like a software um, subscription model, essentially. However, that's not what it does these days. It has the capability to handle payments on a monthly weekly, I'm pretty sure, and quarterly basis these days as well now. More to the point, it can take payment whenever you want it to take payment. So from a Clarity Street perspective, we're big fans of using it for every single type of proposal or work that you do for a client. So if you think about the frequency that you would currently raise an invoice for a client, whatever that frequency is, you would raise a proposal through PI first as opposed to an invoice at the end. That's probably the best way of describing it. So to answer your question, I don't believe that there is a massive take up or difference between bookkeepers versus 
accountants. Uh, To be fair, I deal a lot more with accountants than I do bookkeepers. I think that it's part and parcel of it, but I think it's something to remember that practising initial handers payments upfront on completion, recurring basis, it can handle hourly rate, it can handle estimates, it can handle a range of different, however you would like to take payment, it can handle it basically. And the uh, proposal slash engagement letter it really only needs to go out when there is a change in the contract. So if you if you send a proposal and an engagement letter for day one, and let's say that engagement letter has an inflation adjustment in it, then it might be that you don't send another proposal for another 10 years or so. It really just depends on how often you change the terms and conditions for that client, correct? No, I disagree. Sorry to say. I personally feel that you should be sending a proposal to a client every time you do a piece of work for them. Again, I'll reiterate, every time you raise an invoice for a client, instead of raising an invoice at the end of the job, raise a proposal at the start of the job. Even if you take payment at the end of the job and you trigger the invoice to be done at the end of the job, you should still be doing a proposal for them because the proposal is basically what sets the scene of the work that you're going to do for the client. So that's the service that you're going to take care of for the client. So every time you decide that either there's a pay increase, i.e., if you do have them on a monthly recurring service, our best practice would be that you should re-engage them on a yearly basis because things change on a per-client basis. If nothing else, you might like to charge them more or the client situation might have changed. If it's a for a one-off piece of work like a tax return, then you do a proposal to begin with, the client accepts. Therefore, you are covering thy butt, is how we would say it, in terms of you're, they're 100% engaged, they've said yes to the work, you're also potentially taking payment either at the start or the end of the job, whichever you decide, but equally, more than anything, they've agreed to the work that you're doing. You're not just doing work for nothing or doing work hoping that they're going to pay for it at the end. But the proposal, even the signed engagement letter doesn't really protect you, money talks, If you have a signed engagement letter, but you allowed payment at the end and then the payment doesn't come, then there is not much you can do. Apart from, of course, if you are saying the client has already put his uh, payment details into PI and so PI basically holds the payment as an escrow. He might not have charged it, but at least he holds the right to charge the payment already like an escrow service. Is that usually what happens when you get a signature through PI for payment at a later date and then those payment details are already in PI. Is it then basically like an escrow service so PI will process that payment when the accountant says, yes, go ahead? Or is it then still possible that payment doesn't arrive? There is definitely the possibility that the client may have insufficient funds in their account when the client, when the accountant tries to trigger that payment, hypothetically speaking. I'm going to throw back a question to you though, Heidi, which is why do you engage a client to begin with when you take them on board then? Why do you send an engagement letter out to them? Because you threw back, you you actually raised before that, you know, obviously that the engagement letter doesn't cover you if a client doesn't want to pay you. I agree with that. So why bother sending an engagement letter to begin with? To be clear on what the expectations are. Yes, but it's no guarantee is the point that I'm making. Exactly. There's no guarantee. And equally saying that when you send a proposal out to, you know, to your client, you're not doing that to guarantee that you're going to get paid. You're doing that to cover yourself from a governing body perspective because it is one of the requirements that you should be doing as part of your governing 
body. But equally, if you do need to take the client to, you know, to follow up those payments, if you do need to, you know, take legal action, for example, if they've accepted a proposal, you have a much better standing to chase that money than what you would ordinarily if you didn't. I think unless it's a substantial amount, I think usually the legal action is not worth the, the legal cost. If, but that's a different topic for another yes, day. Yes, yeah, I agree. But my, my question hence is, does PI already hold some payment mechanism in escrow? So let's say you, you have a proposal. No, answer. it doesn't. Okay. No. No is the answer. So it only it only takes payment when you trigger the payment to when you tell the payment to be triggered. So either you've upon acceptance of the proposal, the client you've basically told it to take payment upon acceptance, or you've told it to take payment on a monthly recurring basis, or on completion, which you have to manually trigger. That's when payment is taken. Okay, good. So good. So there is no escrow service as such. No, there's not. <laughs> With PI, 250 clients is not that much. Hence, a lot of people would be on the $500 a month plan, correct? That's mm, not entirely correct as far as I understand it. So I'm just um, with the it, – it's actually – Not necessarily the number of clients, it's more around the number of accepted proposals or, or, or active proposals, okay? So active clients, I think, is the best way, is the way that they actually say it. So 250 active clients, just as a side note, means that they have a current active engagement with you, which means that you have a current active proposal open, okay? That doesn't mean that you have to have a proposal that is open for the full 12 months it means that you have to, like, that's how the payment essentially works on it. So there is a way that you can possibly tweak the system a little bit. They might hurt me for saying this on, on air, but <laughs> there is a way to actually get around this, which means that this, the client will have accepted a proposal which might have a start date and end date of the 1st of July to the 30th of June. But with, and they've got that signed and sealed, and you have a copy of that if you would like to download it from Praxignition. But the system internally, you could actually complete that proposal if you would like to basically, which means that it's still technically active because it's signed, but it's not active according to the system. I know that that's a bit cheeky, but it is a way to actually work around those numbers. And I'm, I'm with you. So for example, for a tax return, if you send a proposal in May and then the work is done in July, then that client would only be an active client from the signing of the proposal in May to the finish of the work in July. And then from July to May the following year, it wouldn't be an active client. And then in May, it would become another active client when a new proposal is sent. Yes, you could make the system work for you to your advantage in that way. Okay, next question, features in PI. It lists Zapier integration as a feature and that surprised me because my feeling was Zapier integrates with any app, hence why make Zapier integration a, a special feature? No, Zapier doesn't integrate with any app. Zapier integrates with apps that have built an integration with Zapier to integrate with other apps. So Zapier is a call, I think the best way of saying it, it's kind of like, a, it's like a gateway that sits in between applications. You still need to be able to build an integration with Zapier so that Zapier can then connect to other apps that are out there in the marketplace. PI has a workflow integration with XPM or Carbon, but it doesn't mention an 
an integration with FYI or Sweet Files, which surprised me because I, I had assumed that PI does integrate with Sweet Files and FYI, but maybe it doesn't need to because it's different, it's different things. Correct. It doesn't need to. In all honesty, it actually doesn't need to. So the only thing that you're realistically going to do from a Sweet Files and FYI integration, if you wanted to, would to have a copy of the signed engagement letter saved against the client if that was something that was relevant. To be fair, though, you can export any of the engagements out of Practice Ignition should you ever need. If you need a copy of the signed engagement, go into Practice Ignition and find it. There are some firms out there that would like it to integrate, I believe, but I kind of feel like you're just double handling information. I think Carbon HQ is more an email management system, whereas FYI or Sweet Files are more document management systems. No, Carbon is not just email management. Sorry, there is quite, there is a definitive reason why a lot of clients will go to Carbon, which is it does do a very good job of managing workflow. So, It does manage your emails and you can set workflow off the back of emails. It also helps manage checklists. So if you needed to send a checklist to a client, for example, of a, these are the five things that I need from you, it's a really good way of doing that as well. So I would say that one of the major reasons why clients go to Carbon, especially over utilising Zero Practice Manager, because you have... You'll have clients that actually utilize carbon and zero tax, for example, but clients, they won't necessarily use zero practice manager. They'll just use tax as a standalone product. And the main reason is, is because workflow out of carbon is actually the user interface is very good and the information that you get out of it is also quite delightful. That would be in comparison to XPM. Um, that is that is the opinion of some people within you know, the industry. So could you send a list to a client that says, I need these documents from you for your next tax return and can you please attach them here and then you can see whether the rental schedule has already been attached or whether the settlement document has already been attached or the um, tax statement for managed funds has already been attached. Can you see that in Carbon? Yes, that, that is essentially what you can do with Carbon from a checklist perspective. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is that is good. Yeah, yeah it's actually one of the really good features of it. it. It will also house the documents. So if there's any attachments that are emailed in, it will house those documents, but you can't necessarily do anything with those documents and you can't create documents, which is, and that's probably the major difference between Carbon from a document management perspective, because it's more of a document storage solution, whereas FYI and Sweet Files, you can actually, you can A, manage documents, but you can also create documents. You can do things with those documents in a more robust fashion. Yes, but you can't send those checklists through FYI or Sweet Files. No, you can't. Okay. So if you wanted those checklists, but you also wanted a document management system, then you would need both. Well, generally speaking, yes. I mean, there are other ways of sending checklists to clients, but yes, high level, that, that would be the case. And that's, I guess that's probably the main reason why you tend to see clients utilizing carbon and sweet files together. Um, there are some clients that will utilize carbon and FYI together, although it's not as it's not usually done that way, generally speaking, because there are some similar features and there is some crossover. And realistically, FYI does rely for if you want to get the most out of all the features out of FYI, it will work better if you're using Zero Practice Manager in conjunction with it. So you you often see carbon 
and sweet file as a pair, and you see XPM and FYI, FYI as a as a pair. Yeah. Just to be clear, though, carbon and sweet files don't natively integrate. It's more that in practice, firms will tend to use them. When you look, think of your clients, just on just pure statistics. How many of them integrate PI? And I can imagine that percentage is extremely high. But then how many of them do go for the carbon and possibly sweet files combination? And how many go for the XPM and uh, FYI docs combination? Look, uh, up until only probably really recently, Clarity Street has only ever really pushed the zero ecosystem. Therefore, carbon hasn't ever generally sat very much in the peripheral vision of what we deal with from a client side of things. I mean, lately we are speaking to carbon a lot more and finding clients that are utilizing carbon a lot more because you can use it in conjunction with each other. So as a percentage at the moment, I mean, it's fair to say that I reckon about 95% of our clients very much a zero-centric, therefore zero tax, XPM and FYI, or that and sweet files. So they're either XPM, zero tax and sweet files, whichever. We've only got a very tiny percentage of clients that are utilizing carbon at the moment, as I said, because it's not something that we've pushed um, that heavily because we have traditionally always pushed a cleanly integrated application stack rather than having applications that don't talk with each other, therefore keeping up multiple databases. Just very quickly, you just said there are other ways to send checklists apart from carbon. Can you just hint at what those are? There is the use of, I wouldn't say it's a good way of doing it, but it is a way of doing it. I mean, it depends on what information you're trying to capture from the client. So the reason why carbon's utilized from a checklist perspective is that you can basically custom build checklists, which is which is brilliant. And it doesn't have to be associated with anything. Whereas when it comes to like you, you could use zero work papers, for example, when there's specific queries that you're wanting to do, uh, wanting to know, like you can ask yes, no answers. You can ask them to upload documents. You know, as you mentioned before, I need a copy of your bank statement, um, you know, is this fee this, that kind of stuff. So zero work papers amongst some of its other faults or areas for improvement, I think is a better way of saying it, does have that really good feature, which does allow you to ask questions off the back of queries and things that you'd have when it comes to doing year-end work. So that is one definite benefit and that is one way of doing it. Look, I mean, you can also, you could always use Microsoft Forms if you wanted to as well, but realistically, I would say that Carbon does really do checklists quite well. What was the other one? Microsoft what? Forms through oh, Microsoft Forms. yeah, good old fashioned oh. Microsoft Forms. You could you could create a checklist out of that if you really wanted to as well. And can the client attach attachments to that? I don't believe you can. So it's not hence why I'm like it's not necessarily a good option, but yes, um, yeah. Next question: FYI versus suite files. My understanding is that FYI is a tag system, so you tend to tag documents and search by tags, and these tags are called containers and cabinets, where Sweet Files is more a traditional folder system. Is that right? Yes. Sweet Files is a traditional folder structure. FYI is a database structure. So it does use cabinets and categories to qualify, to tag them. Yes, you are right. Tags, not the right word, but essentially it does allow you to associate a cabinet and a category and multiples, by the way, categories to a certain document, which means you can get quite granular with the way that you actually want to file those documents. 
Essentially, though, you can still view it from a visual perspective if you needed to. So the, the traditional way of going through the folder structure hierarchy to kind of get to that document, you can still search for it in that way, but it just means that because it is a database structure, you can actually slice and dice information and find it in different ways much easier than what you can in a more traditional folder structure because you need to obviously know where that document's saved or what that document is called in a folder structure, in a traditional folder structure. Where do both of these solutions come from? I think Sweet Fights is an Australian solution and FYI Docs is from overseas or the other way around or both? The other way around. So Sweet Files has been around for a while. Kiwis, good old, oh, yes. good old New Zealanders, once again, coming to the party there in terms of Sweet Files. And then FYI is actually designed, um, it's an Australian company. Rob Cameron designed it. Rob actually was, he helped design Myob AE document manager way back in the day. So whilst FYI is new technology, the knowledge behind it is probably, I would say, is, you know, the concept has been there for quite some time with Rob. This is now more just a personal observation, but when I speak to accountants, I've heard a lot of accountants rave about PI. I haven't heard many people rave about FYI or Sweet Files. I have a feeling that A lot of people have signed up for one of them, especially for FYI. They have signed up for it, but it kind of fell sideways. They have the plan of using it, but they kind of put it into the too hard basket for the time being, whereas PI seems to have raving fans. Do you find that PI is much easier to love than FYI or Sweet Files? <laughs> This is a bit of a loaded question, Heidi, I think. Look, I maybe... Mm, PI obviously does handle a lot of client-facing aspects. So from that perspective, I think there is a lot to love about it because it does obviously help with deployment of jobs, deployment of invoices, it captures payments, you know, all off the back of an accepted proposal. I think the reason why people don't necessarily, you know, rave about sweet files or FYI as much is because I guess at the end of the day, it's it, whilst it's definitely creating efficiencies in practice, it's also something that kind of has to happen. It doesn't necessarily, it's not as necessarily client-facing, whereas PI very much is a client-facing tool as well, so that you obviously get, you get more feedback from PI from your clients, whereas FYI and Suite Files, you probably don't. But I think to just to dig a little deeper in the FYI one, My gut feel in relation to why people have potentially signed up to FYI and gone, oh gosh, too hard, or this is not what I signed up for is they clients need to remember that FYI is only ever going to be as good as what your XPM is. If the data in your XPM and your job setup and those kinds of things is a pile of crap, so to speak, then so is your FYI going to be. And I think that's something that people forget is that they kind of go, oh, well, that will help me with my workflow. If you didn't have any control of your workflow in Zero Practice Manager because your jobs were all over the place, you're going to have the same level of control in FYI. So it does take some getting used to and understanding that the information does feed off the back of each other. You can see the workflow much clearer and in more granular detail in FYI, but ultimately it's being driven by the way that jobs are being set up, opened, closed, those kinds of things off the back of Zero Practice Manager. So if they're not loving it, I would suggest looking at your XPM. And I guess that's something that Clarity Street does as part of an FYI implementation. We won't do a standalone FYI implementation without looking at your XPM first and doing a cleanup deliberately so that you actually adopt it. 
So, you know, we will help you clean up your XPM first to make sure that it's functioning correctly and that, you know, all the information is feeding correctly through so that you can use FYI. So, like, you know, talking back to that database issue, if there are contacts and clients and missing information, then that feeds through to FYI. How are you going to create a standard templated letter with missing information? Do you know what I mean? So that's why people are, you know, off the back of, you, you need to actually have XPM set up correctly and working functionally in order for, to get the, the best out of FYI. I have two more questions for you. Sorry about that. And the first, the first one is before you spoke about contacts in Zero and you spoke about contacts in XPM. You know, you asked me, are you talking about contacts in Zero or contacts in XPM? And I had never thought about it because I had never thought of it as something different. Going from your question, I now assume that it is something different. So your contacts in Zero and your contacts in XPM are not the same. They're two different databases. They're not necessarily linked. They are linked from the um, the invoicing client. You can have a primary contact which is linked, but in terms of the when you create an invoice in Zero Practice Manager, you can only have one contact name associated with it when you email it across. When it you know as soon as it's approved, so create email. Sorry. Create invoice in Zero Practice Manager. Only one contact can actually be set to it. So when it's approved in XPM, once it pushes across to Zero, you'll only ever update one particular contact. It's actually in the settings there under business settings within Zero. It's very clear it actually says that in relation to when you update contacts and things. So there's not as much of an intrinsic link when it comes to the number of contacts essentially through a Zero versus an XPM perspective. And my last question is, I had this dream vision of that with FYI docs, your emails would come in and would go out and everything would automatically go into the right filing structure. But as it turned out in the inbox and the out and the sent box I saw, very little actually got automatically folded and it all needed to be filed manually, which of course then it didn't. So then it was just sitting there like it sits in any inbox Is yeah, is is that something unusual I saw, or is it just because it wasn't set up correctly? And if I may just quickly add one other thought. I'm wondering whether it's with especially with emails that are sent by the uh, practice, because with the practice you don't necessarily know what it is about. When the client sends you an email from their email, then you know, okay, it's that client. Whereas when you send an email out, then it could be any of the clients. Maybe that's also where the filing kind of is limping a little bit. But yeah, please tell me what thoughts do you have about this? FYI has two features. It can either manually file or you can you can turn the auto file function on. I mentioned before that FYI is intrinsically linked to XPM. The way that it operates is when an email is either sent or received from a client that has an email address which is associated with a contact in XPM, then FYI will pick up that email and put it into your intray. If you have, if you don't have auto file turned on, then you will have to associate that particular email and save it in either, you know, in the correct cabinet and therefore categories associated. Okay. If you have auto file turned on, then FYI will make some assumptions and you can set some rules at a client level, at a practice level around how the auto file function actually works. 
It can get a little confusing as to what happens. We always recommend our clients don't start with auto file turned on whilst they're getting used to and making sure that the way that they're filing is actually correct. Once they're used to FYI, then you can start considering turning on the auto file because if you don't consider which cabinet and category content is going to be saved to, then it can get a little messy for obvious reasons. It's only going to be as smart as what you tell the information to be. So, you know, if a client sends you an email and you're talking about a logo, but you've got your auto file set to every time somebody, every time a client emails you that it gets sent to, you know, the current year and, you know, work papers, it's not going to really be the right place. So you do have to have a little bit, a few smarts around the concept as well. It, the system will also flag if you have the same email address associated with multiple contacts, which is obviously true and correct. You know, Amy Holdsworth is associated with multiple entities, therefore multiple contacts at each, you know, each entity has its own contact and my email address is the same one. The system, you can actually tell the system to auto file if you'd like to a certain entity every single time, or it will actually flag it and say, well, look, this document could be associated with these three particular entities. Which one would you like it to go to? So you have to kind of, you have to get used to the auto file function. It definitely has its benefits in the right circumstances once you're used to it, essentially. ATO Smart Docs. It's only an API into the ATO system. So to upload documents into the ATO, unfortunately, I think there is no API yet that allows you to download data from the ATO system. So for example, to download the transactions in the integrated client account, correct? You're testing my knowledge a bit now, Heidi. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I know that there is, so ATO Smart Docs, I do know that there is an integration through the API. I believe that they have now finally cracked that one. Very, very new. You might have to confirm 100% with Ron Drost, who heads up iPractice apps, who designed ATO Smart Docs. But I do know that he's, there is an API integration now between ATO Smart Docs and the tax office, essentially. Yes, but is it only into the ATO or is it also out of the ATO? This is the part that I'm not 100% sure of and I believe that it is out. And the reason why I say that is because the whole premise of ATO Smart Docs is, is gathering that correspondence and email and forwarding it onto your clients, basically. Oh, really? Okay. Because a big drama very often is that the GST and pay-as-you-go withholding accounts in a client zero account are completely different to what the ATO has in their ICA and integrated client account. And hence, it would be really good to have a data stream where you can basically download what the ATO has, and then it's much easier to reconcile it within zero. It doesn't have that. That's not what ATO Smart Docs does. ATO Smart Docs only helps with the correspondence associated with it. It doesn't have a data stream that helps you with reconciliation and those kinds of things. Not so, to say that it can't do that, but maybe you should speak to Ron about that one. <laughs> yes. So the, the name is Ron? Drost, D-R-O-S-T. So he runs a company called iPractice Apps, the letter I, and then Practice Apps. And part of that service offering is ATO Smart Docs. Welcome back. It is really hard to choose the right software for your practice. And let me now 
dive into a long monologue and please forgive me this indulgence. I signed up for practice ignition the day after having spoken with Amy and I gave practice ignition a really good hot go and moved about 10% of my clients across, spent a lot of time over three weeks on it and then stopped and transferred everything to XPM. And I'm hesitant to tell you why, because I'm not an expert, of course, I can't give you a comprehensive review of PI versus XPM. And PI is a good software that many of you use. But I've mentioned PI numerous times in a very positive way. And so I feel that I would be misleading you if I didn't tell you why I decided not to use it for now. So here are my thoughts about practice ignition. Seven arguments for and seven against. PI does seven things really well. Of course, there's more, but there are seven things that stick out in my mind. Number one, the support is phenomenal. I had the best support I have ever experienced from a software. Fast, responsive, helpful, loom videos within the hour of any question I had, the options to arrange a phone call on the same day, just amazing. Number two, Setting up the engagement letter template is easier in PI than in XPM. In PI, you do it all within the app, while in XPM, you need to use Microsoft 365 that you then upload as a template into XPM. Number three, sending out engagement letters is easy in PI as well. So not just setting up the engagement letter template, but also sending out engagement letters in PI is easier since you don't need to set the signature field. In XPM, you need to download the PDF file, upload it into the document pack in Zero HQ, set the signature field, fill out the details of the signee, and then send it out. In PI, that is all one click of a button. Number four, in PI, you can make the automatic payment setup a condition before a client can sign the engagement letter. Whereas in XPM, you can say in the engagement letter that they need to auto pay but the signing is separate from the payment arrangement. So the client can sign your XPM engagement letter without setting up autopay. And so you probably have more clients quicker on an automatic payment arrangement in PI than you would in XPM. Number five, XPM is really hard. So the less you depend on XPM, you might argue, the better. Number six, in PI, acceptance of an engagement letter automatically deploys the relevant job. So that is good if you like this bit to be automated. I don't. I prefer to have more hands-on control over the jobs in XPM, but I can see why you might like this. Number seven. In PI, the accepted engagement letter automatically triggers the payment, whereas in XPM, you need to set up a repeating invoice and ask for autopay. So PI is good, and I know that a lot of you really like PI, and I can understand why you like it. But here's why I stopped using it. But just take it as food for thought. I might be wrong. I might not see the full picture. Number one, it is a different app. Separate sign-in, separate software to learn. So that is a minus. That is a minus for any plugin into is zero. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have plugins. It just means that the plugin needs to be significantly better to justify the extra hassle. And I don't see PI as sufficiently better. But we come to that. Number two, everything you do in PI, you can do in XPM onboarding, engagement letters, autopay. XPM has recurring jobs and repeating invoices that allow you to automate things just the way you would do in PI. Some things are more streamlined in PI and easier to set up. Some things work better by having everything in XPM. Number three, most of the streamlining in PI is around the sending out of engagement letters. After that, 
the actual automatic payments are the same in PI and XPM. An automatic payment is an automatic payment. And a recurring job works the same in PI and XPM. But the initial engagement letter is definitely more streamlined in PI. So whether that is a strong enough advantage depends on how many engagement letters you send to new clients per week. If you send 50 quotes a week, then PI might save you some serious time. But if you send five quotes a week, then the extra hassle of dealing with the separate software might wipe out any benefits. So this argument actually might also be an argument for PI. I apologize. Number five, by using PI, you put a cage around XPM. PI needs XPM to work in a certain way. Without PI, you can design XPM with a lot more freedom to match your workflows. Number five, if you make XPM the mothership for your practice management, then you need to focus on XPM. But the more apps you use, the less you focus on XPM. I know it is not representative, but just based on my conversations with some of you, I have the impression that if you are on PI, then you are not on XPM. Yes, officially you are on XPM, but you don't really use its full potential. The incoming payments are like honey. Wherever that honey is, that is where your focus is, you as the principal of your accounting practice. So if you are on PI, you tend to focus on PI. XPM then tends to be this thing that your staff is meant to master. But if XPM is meant to manage your practice, then it requires your focus. If you as the principal are not focused on XPM, then your practice is most likely not focused either. And then XPM's full potential remains unused. But of course, you can argue who exactly is using the full potential of XPM. XPM is this huge machine and probably nobody uses its absolute full potential. But hopefully you can see what I mean. Number six, collecting the money is the easy bit. The hard bit is finding new clients and managing the workflow in your practice, getting things done. And PI doesn't really help you with either any more than XPM does. And number seven, your easy clients will stay your easy clients and your difficult clients will continue being your difficult clients, whether you're on PI or not. The clients who immediately sign and pay via PI are also the clients who pay promptly or sign up for auto pay in zero. And the ones who don't pay in zero are most likely also the ones who just ignore your practice ignition emails. So it doesn't really solve the problem you have. So based on all this, I find recurring jobs in XPM and repeating invoices with auto pay in zero are just as good as what PI gives you. And I prefer having more control in XPM, but I can see why you like PI. And also, this is not set in stone. PI will change and improve. XPM will change and improve. So in a few months or years, it might all be different again. So just take all this as food for thought. So all this was about practice ignition, but of course, there's also the whole question of email and document management and work lists. And to what extent FYI, Suite Files and Carbon HQ can help you? Once I've really got XPM under my belt, I will venture into one of those and then I let you know how it goes. So next week, let's step away from practice management and look at technical issues again. In the next episode, episode 332, let's talk about outstanding Division 7A loans, where the relevant individual tax returns are past the amendment periods. Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Melbourne will discuss with you to what extent those loans can be written off tax-free. Until then, 
Thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.